Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Amen. Well, we are going to go ahead and dig into God's Word. Uh, This week, we're going to be taking a week off from our series in Daniel. Give everybody's mind time to rearrange a little bit from visions of goats and rams and everything else. And we're going to be looking in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 47. Today, I'm going to talk about disciples, water baptism, and the local church. Because uh, after the teaching today, we're going to be receiving two new families into membership, and we're going to have two folks getting baptized in water right, at, uh, right after the teaching today. So I thought we would take a little bit of time just to kind of step back and remind ourselves of something very basic, but very, very important for how uh, we walk out discipleship uh, in the Lord. So... Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 47. They'll be up on the screen. It's also in the booklet. And as always, I encourage you to follow along in your own Bibles. Hear now the word of the Lord and Savior. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart And said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. May God bless his word. So, Today is a very exciting day, as we're going to be having these two families come into membership here in the local congregation. We're going to be doing two water baptisms. And so, as I said, I want to take a week back off of Daniel and think about these two things, why it is biblical and important and is actually God's call for every believer. Water baptism is for every believer, not for a few, for every single disciple of Jesus Christ. And secondly, so is membership in a local church. We're going to be looking why is baptism important and why join a local church. So we'll dive straight in. Now notice here the the passage that I'm taking from, this is out of Acts chapter 2. And in Acts 2, it's the day of Pentecost, and Peter is preaching. The Holy Spirit had filled the 120, and you remember they, they came out of their meeting place and they begin speaking in tongues, and people are astounded, and they even think, they're saying, you know, what, are these guys all drunk or something? And Peter says, no, no, we're not drunk. This is what Joel prophesied about uh, in the book of Joel in chapter 2. And so he preaches a sermon largely out of, you know, out of the Old Testament. He's just weaving together narrative out of Joel chapter 2 and out of the book of Psalms. And he then, at the end of it, notice what he does in verse 36. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, this is not Peter's How to Win Friends and Influence People seminar. Uh, He's not here trying to be nice. Everyone notice what he says directly. Jesus was crucified, not by the Romans. You did it. 
But I want you to know this, God overrules. And he raised Jesus from the dead, as he had promised us in Psalm 16, which Peter had preached out of. And Jesus is exalted to the right hand of the Father. He could have brought up the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, and said, The Son of Man has gone into the Ancient of Days. He has received authority and power over all nations. And you crucified him. Now, that's a pretty scary thing, if somebody tells you that. But this is the foundational message. Jesus is Lord. And it was as radical then as it is now, and it's as radical here as it is in China. Because it is a statement that whoever else postulates to be the Lord, no, Jesus is Lord. And if someone hears that message, that should cause a response. And notice that's actually what happens in verse 37. The people... They respond to this, and we're told they were cut to the heart. And notice what they do. They don't go out and hire a lawyer. They don't get a marketer to try and spin it and say, well, it wasn't really that bad. You didn't understand what was actually going on and what happened with Jesus. No, they own their sin. And they realize if he's been raised from the dead, if he is seated at the right hand of God, and I'm responsible for his death, oops. I'm in trouble. What, what do I need to do? And that's what they ask in verse 37. There's no denial of God's verdict. There is a humble recognition of their own guilt. And this is the first step in responding to God, humbly admitting God's law is true, and I am guilty. I have sinned. I have broken it. As Tony said at the beginning of the meeting this morning, See, we want to read the scripture, and I want to make myself the hero. I'm not. I'm the villain. Okay? If you and I were there on that day, we would have been standing limp before Peter as well, saying, oh my, it's my sin nailed him to the tree. What must I do? And so when they ask this question, notice Peter then gives a call to repentance and faith. His response right off is repent. The word repent means to have a change of mind, and it leads to a corresponding change of action. So you were going this way. To repent means I realize this way is wrong. I stop, I turn around, and I'm saying I don't want to walk that way anymore. I want to walk the other direction. And I use the word faith because repentance is always linked with faith. Notice in verse 39, he says this promise. God has made a promise. And what Peter is saying is you need to repent of your sins and you need to embrace the promise of God in faith. This is what God's call is. And so discipleship begins when we respond to God by repenting of our sins and we actively trust in Jesus and God's promise of salvation, the gospel. And please note the word there, active. Faith is not some vague, you know, well, okay, I mean, I'm not against Jesus. It's not singing with the Doobie Brothers, Jesus is just all right with me. Faith is, I have no other hope. God's law has declared I am under the righteous wrath of God, but his gospel, oh, thank God for his gospel, it is declared that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so faith is an active belief and trust in that promise. But notice, it does not stop there. <clears throat> Peter tells them that you are also to be baptized, which is the initial act of obedient faith. So he says in verse 38, repent and be baptized. And who's to be baptized? Every one of you. Oh, but, but we're Jews. I received circumcision on the eighth day. You need to be baptized. Oh, but, but you know, I've kind of been a good person. You need to be baptized. It is the initial act of obedient faith, and it is for everyone. Now, notice here, baptism does not make us Christians. It's repent and be baptized. Okay, that's what the call is, repent and be baptized. It doesn't make me a Christian, but it is the public outward sign that we are disciples of Christ through faith. 
and it is essential for disciples. It's not an option. Now, why do I say this? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission, I want you to notice the same points are made by Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. First off, notice the Great Commission actually begins with verse 18, not verse 19. And verse 18 says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is why Peter says God has made him Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah and he is the Lord because Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven and earth. That is a clarion call of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And discipleship begins when I recognize that Lordship and I humbly submit to that Lordship. That's not a second stage in the Christian faith. It's not something that happens years down the road. It's not for a few select people. If you haven't embraced Christ as Lord, you haven't embraced him at all. And so it begins with his lordship. But notice, Jesus then says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And the question is, well, how do I make disciples? The, the key verb in this whole verse, if you read it in the Greek, the actual verb is make disciples. Going and baptizing and teaching are the parts of that. You have to take the message to them. You have to proclaim the lordship of Christ. And then those who respond to the gospel, there's two parts in discipleship. Disciples are made through water baptism and being taught the word of God so that they can obey Jesus. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is one who is submitted to the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. But notice what this means. Discipleship apart from water baptism is no more conceivable to Jesus in Matthew 28 or Peter in Acts chapter 2 or the rest of the New Testament than trying to say, I'm going to be a disciple, but I'm not going to learn God's word and I'm not going to obey God's word. Then you're not a disciple. And here, Jesus doesn't say, well, what's really important is the teaching them to obey the word of God. No, it's both. Discipleship, and then notice, discipleship, and then you teach them the word of God because this water baptism, I mean, and then teach them the word of God, because water baptism is the initial act of obedient faith. It is what God calls us to do. And so this is why when you see in the book of Acts, and people respond over and over and over again, we're told they're water baptized, because it's the initial act. It's why we read in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul talks about, you know, baptizing people in water. We see it in Galatians, uh, in several places. It's in 1 Peter. Uh, all over the place, we are seeing in the New Testament, water baptism because it was the initial act of obedient faith whoever you were whatever you had come from water baptism was my identity with jesus christ that i am a follower of him the new testament even uses the phrase that we are baptized into christ when we have our benediction today i'm going to quote and place upon us galatians chapter 3 because you need to understand exactly what the young people are going to be talking about at deep creek your identity is Jesus Christ. And if it's not, you're not walking as a disciple. It is not anything else. There are other things that are important to me. There are other things that I do think about as who I am. There are other things that have impacted me, but none of them are my identity. And, oh, Christian, everything else that is proclaimed to us out there, everybody wants to break us down. Are you white, or are you black, or are you Latino, or are you male, or are you female? We're going to hear in Galatians 3 later, none of that matters. None of that matters. What matters is you are in Jesus Christ. And baptism is the sign of that. We're going to bury two people, and we're going to bury them into Christ. And they're to walk out and say, my identity is Jesus Christ. That's what water baptism is. So it is absolutely essential. That's why there's going to be a celebration when we baptize in water in a little while. Now, secondly, notice it doesn't stop there. Discipleship doesn't stop and say, well, I got, I got baptized in water, and now I'm going to listen to a podcast every week. No. Disciples become part of the local church. And notice this is right here in Acts chapter 2. We don't have to wonder what happened. We're told in verses 41 and 42, those who accepted his message were what? Baptized. 
It's not, not, some of them were baptized and others said, but I don't like getting wet. Neither do I, but it doesn't matter. You accept the message, you're baptized, and notice about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Those who respond in repentance and faith are baptized, which is the beginning of discipleship. But notice, they're not only, I might have expected as a theologian studying the, the, you know, the theology of the New Testament to say, and they were united to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Luke does teach that in other places. But notice that's not what he says here. What are they united to? The church, the other believers. And notice, it's not just the universal church. That's a glorious truth. We are united with every other believer. I, I have a, a friend here, I'll embarrass him a little bit, but Eddie Harris is here. Eddie was a part of our church back in the 1980s. He was a, a young man from Texas, and uh, he was here and part of our congregation. And a few years ago, I had the privilege of going out to their congregation in San Clemente, and it was a beautiful day. Eddie probably didn't even remember as well, but it was, it was a glorious day in my memory because Eddie's son was leading the singing, Lewis Powell, my roommate, was leading the meeting, and Eddie preached that day. And I went forward and received the Lord's Supper that day from their hands. I can't tell you what that was to me, because we are one church. We are one in Christ. Glorious truth. But it's not really what Acts 2 is about. Acts 2, notice what it says. They're added to their number, and they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They are meeting together to do these things. I don't get to do that with my brother Eddie very often because he's in San Clemente. And I can't really do that over the Internet. Okay? We're having to adjust because of COVID. But this is talking about living life together. It's talking about them being together. This is actually a description of the worship in the early church. You teach God's word. You're in fellowship with one another. Breaking of bread for Luke usually refers to coming to the Lord's table. And, the, and prayer is literally the prayers. They had the prayers that they prayed when they came together. This is a description of an early church gathering. Also a pretty good description of Bay Ridge's gatherings week by week by week. Oddly enough, this is where we got it from. Okay, so this is the description, but see, you can't do that. You don't worship with the universal church. You worship with a local church. And to make it even more clear that Luke wants us to understand this, notice where he goes. He says disciples are part of the community of a local church. It's not just a group of people that once a week they happen to inhabit the same physical space for an hour or two. No, no, no. This is a group of people whose lives are being joined together. So in verse 46, <clears throat> notice how he says, and we'll come back to the other verses in a minute. In verse 46, he says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Notice that gathering as a local church was their continual practice. It's daily. Day by day by day, they are gathering together. Notice they also, they are meeting for public worship. They meet in the temple courts, and they're meeting together in smaller groups. They are meeting in their homes with one another. They're doing both, public worship and smaller gatherings. Because disciples don't just express their love for God in public worship, they also gather together in smaller groups regularly so they connect their lives with other believers in the local church. That's what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is not somebody who occasionally, as long as nothing else interferes with my schedule, will gather with the church when we worship. No, we regularly gather to worship. But we don't just do that. I'm also regularly involved in building together with other believers. This is why it can't just be the universal church. It needs to be a local congregation. And notice that they, it, it says that it not only included small group meetings for study, but also enjoying meals together. They broke bread in their homes together. This isn't even just that we study together. That's really important. But the connect group that Linda and I are part of, we meet together each Tuesday, but on Friday evening, we went down to Richard and Allison's home, and something happens as we just hung out 
outside and ate food together and laughed and talked and built relationships with one another. And discipleship thrives in the air of community, the community of the local church that we are built with one another. And notice, they're not only connected to one another, they're actually serving one another as part of their life in the local church. Notice verses 44 and 45. We're told all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. So we've seen they gather and worship in public at the temple together. They're connecting with one another in their homes. And now we're told, hey, if I've got a need, somebody else is willing to step in and meet the need. Even if this is not an economic plan, it's just saying, look, if somebody's got a need and I even need to sell something, I'll sell some of the stuff I've got to make sure that you are taken care of. Luke is rejoicing at what they're doing. Now notice here, this is not helping those outside the church. Now once again, that's very important, okay? Our congregation, again, I commend us, when COVID hit, we were immediately out there. We're doing pop-up pantries, we're laboring and we're serving. You can look at the map that you see when you walk in, where we are engaged from here to the far corners of the earth. That is essential to what it means to be a healthy local church. But notice the first priority was serving others inside the congregation. The Apostle Paul says, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And that's what they are doing here. And in other New Testament passages, Luke's kind of giving us the initial description, we see that that refers to the fact that we're all given spiritual gifts. Every one of us, when we come to Christ, you're given spiritual gifts. And we use those, we're told, First Peter. Peter says, whatever gift you've got, use it to serve others. If it's speaking, then speak to the glory, you know, the, as you're speaking the very words of God. If it's serving, use it to serve with the strength that God provides. Every believer here, every disciple is given gifts and is called to serve. Because not all service. I'm going to come out on Saturday and help at the work party. And if you see me with a tool, you'll know that's not a spiritual gift that I have. <laughs> Nor is it a non-spiritual gift I have. But I'll still serve. I can come and get involved and do whatever. I can, you know, move things around. Uh, I remember I went with Tom, Tom Jr. one day. We were helping work on somebody's house. This was a couple of decades ago, and I had the spiritual gift of standing wherever he told me to stand and hold wall up <laughs> on the ceiling. And he had skills and used them. My gift was toting things because that's about the skill level I brought to the party. So... We use whatever we've got because we are engaged in serving. And then notice, finally, Luke tells us disciples reach the world together. In verses 46 and 47, again, I had stopped earlier, you know, they ate with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. But Luke goes on, he says, and they were enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Don't miss how Luke is laying out the growth of the Great Commission here. Notice he does not say, and they waited for a traveling evangelist to come through and do an evangelistic campaign, and that's how people got saved. What attracted people to the faith? They're looking at this community and saying, you know what, that's what it's supposed to look like. I don't have that in my life. What is it that's going on there? And it's easy for them to say, oh, the Lord is what's going on there. The gospel is what's going on there. God is the one that is knitting us together. And so the overflow and the outcome of their life as a community of believers causes the gospel to flourish in their area. They have the favor of people. Now make no mistake, as you read through the book of Acts, they could have favor even while they were suffering persecution. The reason, as we were praying for China earlier, you hear, well, how can China be suffering so much under persecution and yet the church is growing? Because as they're suffering under persecution, it's that very suffering is commending the gospel. And so it's not saying everybody's going to love our message. I can pretty much guarantee you they're not. But what they may love in spite of the message is the way they see the Spirit of God knitting us together as a community. And so this is the plan. And God adds the believers. God is the one who brings them because, friends, you and I can't raise the dead. But thanks be to God, we serve a Savior who 
can. As we sang this morning, every one of us was in a tomb, amen? You were dead, and he called your name, and you ran out of the tomb. And friends, as we are laboring together, God can do the same thing. And with the most unlikely people, nobody on that morning thought, you know, Saul of Tarsus is about to become an apostle. No, nobody thought that until he hears the voice of God and he steps out of the tomb and everything is changed. And that's what Luke says is going on here. And so the most effective way to reach our local community and the world is as we pray and we labor together as a local church community. Now, for those who've been around for a while, you may have heard certain words here. This is what we talk about with our discipleship. Disciples love our God. We gather together to worship the great God who has saved us and called us out, just like we're doing today. But we don't stop there. That leads to us being connected with one another to be this vital community. But it doesn't stop there. We serve one another inside the church to make the church alive and vibrant. But it doesn't stop there. That fuels us out in reaching the world. And as we reach the world and the Lord adds more people in, guess what they start doing? Loving our God, connecting with others, serving his church, reaching the world. It's a never-ending cycle. And again, we didn't just create this. It's right here in Acts chapter 2. This is a description of what it looked like if you say, I wonder what it would have been like to be there on the day of Pentecost. That. That's what it would look like to be there on the day of Pentecost. So how do we apply this? Well, in a couple minutes, we're going to apply it with new members and water baptism. But how do I? Number one, first key question, and, and I don't take this uh, as an assumption. Have I responded to Christ in repentance and faith? Everything starts with the gospel. Everything begins there. Apart from faith, please hear me, apart from faith, baptism and church membership mean nothing. If you're standing before God on Judgment Day and he says, do I know you? And your answer is, well, you know, Brett baptized me. Don't say that. Okay? I was on the rolls at Bay Ridge Christian Church. You can still hear, I never knew you. Read Matthew 7, where those words come from. The people said, hey, didn't we prophesy in your name? I was there, man. I helped lead the prophecy conference. And Jesus says, the only problem is I never knew you. Have I responded to the gospel? Because one difference, friends, between here and a place like Iran, people in Iran that are, are Muslims and are searching, they know they're not believers. They, they know that they're not Christians. Many people in our culture have been deceived into thinking they are Christians. Being an American does not make you a Christian. Being from the South, where I was right down there in the heart of the Bible Belt, does not make you a Christian. Amen, Eddie? Are there unbelievers in Texas, right? Just not any Dallas Cowboy fans. They're all believers. No. Um, so we have to understand that. So the key question, the most important question, have I personally responded to Jesus as Lord and received forgiveness of my sins? Have I seen my sin? Have I seen my need of a Savior? Have I seen that the gospel offers me forgiveness, purity? And have I said, even as we sang this morning, give me clean hands. Give me a pure heart. Notice it doesn't say, I'm purifying my hands and I'm purifying my heart. It says, give them to me, O God. Give me clean hands. Give me a pure heart. Have you done that? If you have not, I urge you with everything in me, do so today. If you have not and you want to do more, talk to me afterwards. Grab me. We will sit down and we will chat and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's where discipleship begins. Second question. These are, these are not real hard if you were wondering. I didn't have a hard time coming up with these. Have I been water baptized? Have I been baptized in water? In the New Testament, everyone who comes to Christ has been baptized in water. So please hear me. What we're going to do in a couple of minutes is not a nice ceremony. It is the command of Jesus Christ. 
And I remind you, Jesus never got embarrassed in a silent pause and just blurted something out. His commands are his commands, and they are intentional. And he says, if you want to be a disciple, you respond in repentance and faith, you are baptized in water, and you, you come under the teaching of the word of God and begin to apply it into your own life. Have I done that? It's not a nice ceremony. It is the command of Jesus Christ. And therefore, if I don't do it, I am being what? Disobedient. Radically disobedient, I might add. Okay? Just straightforward. Second thing I'm saying, it's not a nice ritual. Okay? I wish we, you know, ours is a pretty plain-looking tank here. Okay? Uh, we just did, when, when Margo got baptized, we did it in a swimming pool, Right? You can get baptized in, a, in you know, the River Jordan at the spot where they think Jesus was baptized. The ritual's not what matters. This is a means of grace for our struggle against sin. We're told in Romans we are burying the old man. We are being raised to walk in newness of life. It's a demarcation. It's leaving the old man behind. I was so proud. I'm going to ask him in a few minutes, but when I sat down with Jason a couple of weeks ago and asked him, that young man had studied to be ready to talk about water baptism. And he talked about it being a means of grace, a help in his sanctification. I was so happy I almost jumped out of the seat and hugged him right there. I'd probably embarrassed him. But, but I was like, yes, you sound like a little theologian, but that's what it is. It's a means of grace. It's sanctification. It's Israel going through the Red Sea and Egypt is left behind. Friends, you do not want to try and walk out your Christian life apart from that. It's not about a ritual. So have I received the covenant sign of water baptism, publicly professing my faith in Jesus Christ for salvation? It's no more conceivable to be a Christian not water baptized than it was to be a Jewish male not circumcised. It's, incon it's inconceivable. <laughs> right? I know who's seen Princess Bride. Um, so if you have not been, apply the word and see me. And we're going to have more water baptisms coming up. We have some more people already getting ready to be water baptized. Third and last question, and then we'll come to the new members and water baptism. Am I a faithful member of a local church? People argue all kinds of things about how membership works. But in the New Testament, every single believer is part of a local church where they worship, where they learn the scripture, where they receive the sacraments where they are cared for by elders, where they serve one another, where they pray together and they carry out the Great Commission together. And if that doesn't sound like my life, then I'm, telling, I'm saying that I'm not really walking out discipleship because that's what it is. All of those things I just mentioned actually come out of our catechism and our question on, am I only united to the universal church? No, I'm called to be part of a local church. And so... Just like I was saying a minute ago, what baptism is not, I'm going to do the same thing with the church. Being part of a local church is not a, a, a nice option. It is essential for my own spiritual health and vitality. The American church and many Christians in America are struggling, and they're struggling because they don't do these most basic things. I think that, you know, actually being part of a local church, that's a nice option. No, it is not. It's, it's optioned the same way oxygen is optional. It's not. You're, you're not surviving apart from it. Please hear me on that. And that's not because I'm a pastor. When I was a young Marine, the first thing I did when I got to Okinawa was start looking for a local church. I'm in an unreached people group. Where is my young bride who's following me? Where are we going to worship together? And when I was moving from there to Albany, Georgia. What's your question coming down here to the base? I got one question. Can you get me a copy? This is pre-internet. Can you get me a copy out of the yellow pages of all the local churches so I can start researching for where we're going? Because A, number one, I can sleep in a tent, but I'm finding a local church. In my vows to my wife on her wedding day were that I would always, always, always faithfully keep her involved in a local church long before I was a pastor or anything else because I knew it was essential that's like saying I'm going to make sure you have food I'm going to make sure that we have air to breathe am I part of that 
being part of a local church is not a nice option. It is essential for passing the faith on to my family. We always, it's always the next generation. Please, I, I want to know that I am lying cold in my grave, the dew wet on my brow, and have God saying to me, look, Bay Ridge is still faithful. Another generation, another generation. But friends, that only happens when we are faithfully part of a local church. Again, we wonder why we're losing so many of the next generation. And it's because we date the local church. I drop in every once in a while. It's not really that important. Yes, it is. And if you want your kids to embrace Jesus Christ, faithfully be part of a local church. Love, connect, serve, reach. And it'll reach the next generation in your own family. And then, uh, so with us hearing that, one last thing, it's not, it's not a nice option it's essential to us reaching the world with the gospel. God doesn't have a plan B, folks. It's the church. Now, if you look around at the church like I do, you might say, Lord, are you sure this was the best plan you had? I mean, you had all of eternity to work this out. And the answer is, he's dead sure. It is. And it's what he's going with. And there is no plan B. Friends, we are part of God's mission. We're not the only one. There's lots of other local churches here, and I am glad to partner with them. But if Annapolis is going to be reached with the gospel, it's going to be through the local church. That's how it's going to happen. And if, if it's going to happen that it's even going to go off and around the world, it's going to be done by the local church partnering together to see the gospel prosper. So the question, what local church am I a committed member in? Regularly gathering for worship, Growing in relationship, connecting with others, serving, and helping to reach the world. Can, can you name the place? Because you may be, you know, a guest here. So I could put Eddie on the spot, but I already know where Eddie and his wife are going. Because I've been there and worshiped them. Can you say? And if I go there, can they say, oh, yes, I know who those people are. They're like, I've never heard of them before. Am I part? Can I name where I am part of a local church? If you are here in this area and you're newer in our congregation and we got a lot of people that God's been bringing in and you've never and you, you've not become part of the church I want to encourage you to do it even if you say hey I'm only here for a year or two that's it when we got to Okinawa we found and we planted in a church when I was down in Albany Georgia we found and we planted and next thing I knew I was doing what Simeon and Shannon doing Lynn and I were leading their youth group just we were there for a couple of years we were young, so sure, we'll leave the youth group, why not? We found a place and we got involved. If you are here, I want to urge you, Bay Ridge or somewhere else, but find it and get in. We're going to have walking together October the 31st. If you haven't gone through, that's the first place you start where you can come in, you can ask questions, you can find out what's going on, and then you can decide if you want to be part of a, this local church, if that's what God has called you to do. So. That's, those are very simple questions. This is all very basic. Not, this, this is not Theology 400, okay? But it's essential. It's how we grow as disciples. So it's important that we remind ourselves. So what we're going to do now is I'm actually going to ask uh, Tom uh, is going to come forward with uh, Kathy, and we're going to have uh, Melanie and Jason come forward, and Scott, and we're going to introduce them as new members in our congregation, and then we're going to bring the water baptismal over, and we're going to be having Kathy and Jason are going to be getting water baptized. So if y'all can come on down front, and we're going to get right here in the middle. <laughs> so, um, where is uh, is Scott? Oh. <laughs> uh, we elders are really close, yes. Uh, we're also old and our eyesight must be going. So here's Scott. And uh, so Scott, if you want to go ahead and introduce uh, Melanie, well, you can hold this for guys. So Scott's going to introduce Melanie and Jason, and then Tom will do Kathy, and then we'll have the water baptism in a couple moments. Good morning, church. Good morning. So I had the privilege of having all these guys in my new members class, which was pretty awesome. Um, and they actually, the day we had new members class, the Holmes children were getting baptized. Mm -hmm. And we talked about baptism, and they said, wow, that's pretty cool. And they came, and now we've got two of them getting baptized, which is really awesome. Amen. 
Um, I have a scripture for, uh, let me introduce first, I'm sorry. Melanie Waddell Diab and her son Jason. And I'm going to give you guys a chance to talk in a minute. <laughs> um, this is for both of you. It's really a lot for you. John 7, 38. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart flow rivers of living water. So my word to both of you, stay thirsty. Stay thirsty. Amen. Okay, it's, it's the whole thing we just talked about. Love connects or reach. Stay thirsty. Keep going after living water. Okay? And I just think that that's something that God put on my heart for Jason. Stay thirsty. You're a young man. you got a lot, a lot of steps in life. Stay thirsty. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. <clears throat> so Jason and I are um, just blessed to be here. And we've, uh, Jason has grown a lot in the youth group here. And um, we just, we thank everyone for welcoming us. Uh, we've uh, made a lot of good friends and a lot of support here. And um, we just look forward to worshiping with everyone. Amen. <laughs> all right, and Tommy's going to go ahead and introduce Kathy, and then we will pray for him and welcome them all in together. Okay, I want to invite all the sisterhood that know this lady. Come on up here. This lady came to our church because she met that lady there. Yes. Carol happened to be our neighbor across the street. They both suffered losses of their husbands. Relationships develop, and as you can see, there's relationships that have developed over the years. I think every one of us can see around, we have circle of life. I'm sure you probably have some other friends that are not here right now, but mm -hmm. are they in the audience today? Yeah. Come on up here. Where's your mother? Come on up, mother. I believe this is important. Uh, this is a, we don't normally, I'm taking more time, I'm probably going to get in trouble, but that's life. I can handle it. Buck stops here. No one's giving me any script. But we invite, I felt that in particular with Kathy, how the Lord used relationships to knit. Just what Brett has been sharing today. We're knit together in the body of Christ. Those who are here that don't know Kathy, or the family that's being represented here, supporting Jason, that we have relationships that are built by Christ, built by the Holy Spirit. So we want to continue to encourage all to look for fellowship with people that you're neighbors with, people that you work with, people that you come across in your life, the people that serve you at, at restaurants or wherever. You never know what the Lord's going to do as far as reaching out. So as they are taking their steps today to become members, and as they've been supported by your mom and your family, and this lady having friends here as sisterhood, I want to let Nellie pray for her after I give the opportunity for Kathy to say, Kathy Potts, I introduce you to her. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. I, um, <laughs> I just want to say that I was raised Catholic I became Presbyterian, and this is the first chance I've had to choose my own church. And I thank you for welcoming me in. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, you sent me here with Carol. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I want to, as we're doing this, a, a couple things that are really important in seeing. Number one, with Jason doing this, we remind you we had Eli stand up a few weeks ago because we're encouraging our teenagers to go through walking together because before they head off into college or whatever else, we want them to know that it's personal. Uh, we, I just spoke about raising the next generation in the faith, but every one of my four kids had to embrace the gospel on their own and they need to be members in the local church on their own. So it's important for him doing that uh, to, to be there and be part. And it's been great seeing as Kathy's already gotten involved here and in, in building in with relationships, and Melanie's part of our Connect group on Tuesday nights. So we were just chatting on Friday night down at Richard and Allison's uh, as they're jumping in and doing that. So we want to encourage you, even if it's a teenager here, jump in, get involved. We, we lay hold of the faith individually 
and walk forward. So let's pray for them uh, as new members, and then we will have the water baptism. Father God, we thank you for both Melanie and Jason. Father, we thank you that uh, Jason's uh, really stepping forward in his faith, Father. And I thank you that Melanie's come back to the church, Father. Yes, Lord. And we just pray blessings upon them, Father. We just pray mm -hmm. that you would continue to be with them and guide them and walk with them every day, Father. Every day, Lord, that you yes, and, they, and they would feel your presence, Father, mm -hmm. in your name. Amen. 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 So we are grateful. Let's welcome them as new members in our congregation here. And uh, Ronnie, if we can get a couple of guys, we're going to bring the water baptismal here. And uh, I also want, just for those who are a little bit newer and you're wondering, we had uh, Tom and Scott welcome in. Scott obviously teaches class, but each family coming in, we have an elder that is assigned to really make sure they stay in touch, that they're keeping up, that they're trying to call every once in a while and work so that we can labor together as shepherds in the flock. And uh, so that's part of why they were up there. So. We got it. Now, uh, where's Kathy? Okay, Kathy, if we can, uh, we're, we're going to take the time here. As we get this set up, we'll have uh, Kathy and Jason come forward for the water baptism. And um, I guess, I guess we'll, we'll do Jason first here, okay? We'll start with, with the young guy. You want to go ahead and, um, matter of fact, Amelia, you got here and your mom? Is your mom here? Okay. What I'm going to do is, uh, before you go in, hold on, we're going to still, uh, we're going to, I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and then we're going to have him get in. And so as I said, uh, when Jason said he wanted to be water baptized, I gave him some information about baptism uh, to kind of go through, like seven questions, and I want to commend him publicly. He took it very serious. Uh, he really studied. It was clear as I was asking him questions, he had, he had taken it to heart. And I knew I was really encouraged this summer as I was talking with Melanie one day, and she was commenting how much he's been digging into the Word of God from the youth group, which is a regular report I'm getting back. Uh, from the parents in the congregation, which is exciting. And so I'm going to ask Jason just one or two questions. Let me grab a microphone so he can speak. I'm going to ask him uh, a couple questions to give him a uh, uh, chance to respond, and then we're going to pray for him. So here, you can go ahead and take it. Jason, are you ready to profess that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Yes. Do you believe that you're saved by your own works? No. How is it that you're saved? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. And what did he do for you? He died for all my sins. He died for all your sins. Amen. And so why do you want to be water baptized today? I really want to be closer to him and become a new person. Amen. Be closer to him, obey him, and, and become a new person. Uh, this is part of that thing of uh, a means of grace. Uh, to strengthen us in our walk. So, amen. You have anything else you want to say to the congregation? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Melanie, if you and your mom want to come over while we're going to just pray for him. Mm -hmm. um, just a couple things. Oh, yeah. I really thank Simeon and yes. the youth group and everybody here. Simeon and Shannon, if y'all you, you wanted to come forward as well, was there any of the other guys you wanted up here? Mitchell. Mitchell? Where's Mitchell? And this is encouraging to me, too, because working with generations across, uh, uh, I remember when he was born, <laughs> and seeing him so faithfully handing on the faith is so good. So we're going to pray for Jason. If anybody wants to pray, uh, say so. I'll hand you the mic, and then we'll have him get in the water. Lord Jesus, we, are, um, we, we honor you for being the great God that you are, um, for pouring out grace and mercy on our lives, Lord Jesus. None of us deserve your love. We have, like Brett said, we have crucified you by our sins, but you have been raised to the dead, from the dead. And you said if we put our faith in you, then you will adopt us into the kingdom, Lord God. And Jason is here, has done that in his life, Lord God, by the mercy of God. And we thank you so much for that. He has done that. Now he is openly proclaiming the fact that he has called you Lord, King, and Savior, Jesus. I pray that as he descends into the water and comes back out, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would fall on his life to strengthen yes, him, to embolden him with courage, Lord God. We know how difficult school can be, that he can be a light in a dark place, Lord Jesus. He would be a beacon of hope, that he would 
be on mission, Lord God, as you've called him to be on yes, mission. Lord. You would empower him with your spirit, Jesus. And we pray this in your son's name. Yes, Lord. Jason has an older brother, Alexander, and um, our prayer is that Alexander will also be here one day. Mm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day coming to pass. Mm. We have prayed and prayed that, that you would leave Melanie mm -hmm. and Jason to you, to the mm -hmm. local church, and this is a wonderful, wonderful church. Uh, I go to Carson John Baptist Church uh, up next to the Pennsylvania line, so I'm not from this area, but I always look forward to your God coming to this church when mm -hmm. I'm here, and I thank you that you have brought this to pass and that you've answered our prayers. In Jesus' name, I pray. Dear Lord, I just lift up Jason today um, mm -hmm. as I've seen him grow so much in the faith. Um, from the first time we met, it's just continued to grow. Uh, and I pray for his future, as uh, Scott said earlier, that he would stay thirsty mm -hmm. uh, and he would continue to grow into the, the yes, man Lord. you're going to use him as. Uh, mm -hmm. Just lift him up, Lord, and uh, stay with him. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. And Father, we do as we are ready to baptize Jason. Lord, I pray for that uh, river of living water, the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon him. Lord God, we pray as the old is buried and the new comes, Lord God, that he would be given gifts, that they would be stirred up within him. Lord God, I think of Paul's command to Timothy, Lord God, that he's not given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind and to stir up the gift of God that is in him through the laying on of hands. Father, we pray that for Jason, Lord. You have a plan for him, Lord. I pray that he would stay thirsty, he would draw near to you, and that you would use him, Lord, to reach his brother Alexander, to reach out to others uh, at Annapolis High School. And Lord, whatever place you would take him, oh God, that you would uh, empower him by the Holy Spirit. Do this now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Jason, let's go ahead and climb in. Mm-hmm. We have some young kids exciting getting to watch this. Yes, go ahead and sit down here. And go ahead and sit. That's it. Scoot forward just a little bit. Okay. Jason, based on your profession of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, your reception of the gospel, by the command of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Buried with him in baptism, you are raised with him through your faith in the power of God. Go and live a new life. Amen. Amen. We'll have a conversation. Amen. So exciting. In a couple moments, I encourage you to hug him. You'll get a little wet. It will dry off. Okay. And uh, so they're getting the towel for him. We're going to get ready for Kathy. Okay. So uh, it's exciting today because we have a young person, and then we've got somebody who's a little bit later in life uh, walking in here. But isn't it good to know that the gospel is good for every person? It is good for every stage of life. So I'm going to ask... Kathy, a question. Kathy, are you professing that you were a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ? I am. Do you understand that we're saved by what Jesus has done? I not do. what we do. Correct. Amen. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. And are you professing that you want to be his follower for the rest of your life? For the rest of my life. Amen. Why do you want to be water baptized? So I can get rid of my old nature, raise with a new nature, and serve. Amen. Amen. So is there anything else you want to say to the congregation? I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who's this guy over here? This is my son, Curtis Potts. Yes. Come on over. Yes, we are glad to have you here. So, and did you want, you want Nellie to come forward while we're praying for you too? Nellie, can you come forward? Kathy had asked if Nellie would come forward. And, uh, it's an exciting time. I encourage you to, uh, to pray for them. And as you're watching, I didn't say earlier, but I want to encourage you.
to do what the Puritans used to say, improving upon your own baptism. This is a reminder of what happened when you and I, I was baptized way back in 1978, okay? But I need to be reminded why I was buried with Christ, why I'm raised with him. And in a, in a culture that's telling you find your identity everywhere else, remind yourself you are clothed with Christ. So let's go ahead and we're going to pray for Kathy. Father, we just thank you. Yes. We thank you that you called Kathy mm -hmm. and that you brought her here yes, and that she's been obedient. Yes, Father, I just, um, just pray for your love to dwell in her richly mm -hmm. and that your word would dwell in her heart, that it would guide and light mm -hmm. her path every day and night. Father, that you would meet her in all the darkness that... Uh, she you, uh, might have to fight, but Father, we know that you are strong and mm -hmm. you will do battle for her. Yes, Lord. As she lifts her voice out to you to mm -hmm. lay down on you. Yes, Lord. That's where her strength will mm -hmm. come from your joy that uh, you give her as yes, she praises Lord. you, Lord. Mm. So anoint her, fill her mm -hmm. with your Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. That she might have the power to walk mm -hmm. according to your will. Yes, In Lord. Jesus' name. Yes, Father, I, too, pray for Kathy. Lord, I thank you for the months that I've been able to know her, Lord, how I've been seeing um, you work in her life. Lord, I thank you for how quick she came out to the county fair and was serving and helping there, Lord God. She's got a heart to serve. I pray that you would anoint her with the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Father, I also know that she's been walking through a time of grief. But, Lord, you promised, Jesus, that you were anointed with the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord to proclaim freedom for the captives and relief uh, from darkness for the prisoners and to anoint with oil, Lord, the oil of gladness instead of uh, sorrow, Lord, to give her a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And so, Lord, as she continues to walk through the grief, Lord, because it's real, Jesus, I pray she would be conscious every step of the way that her shepherd walks with her and that the Holy Spirit would be upon her and anoint her each and every day. Lord, I pray that you would stir up the gifts within her, Lord God, and that you would use her every day, Lord God, to proclaim the gospel to those who don't know, to encourage those who are downtrodden, Lord, to serve others around her. Father, I thank you for how you're already building and knitting her into community, Lord God. I thank you even that just uh, she and Carol Lord, it was by your sovereignty they were living so close together. Lord, we're so grateful for that. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come in fullness and power and do all these things and seal them to our sister's heart in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, let's go ahead and climb in the water here. Yes, there you go. That's okay. Sit down there. Okay. What a great day. What a great day. Yes. Hallelujah. Kathy, based on your profession of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, his living, his dying, his rising for you, your trust in the gospel, by the command and the authority of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Buried with him in baptism, you are raised through your faith in the power of God to liberty life. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead and walk out here. Brothers and sisters, let's stand together. And I'm going to conclude today with the benediction, the blessing is going to come out of Galatians chapter 3. And I encourage you to hear this and the radical nature of what Paul proclaims for all who have been baptized into our Lord Jesus Christ. You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ 
have clothed yourself with Christ. And in him there is neither Jew or Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs of the promise. Brothers and sisters, go forth blessed and be a blessing. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.